Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Adam Hawkins. This episode is a small batch of software delivery education. If you enjoy this episode, then share it with your friends and colleagues. Launch team, this is the NLM on the NLN Net with our final launch poll and continuing the launch countdown at T minus four minutes. NAM. NAM is ready. NASA CE. NASA CE, go. SMA. SMA is go. SMD. SMD is go. Mission manager. Mission manager is go. Copy that. The team's ready to release the hold at T minus four minutes. Status check to proceed with terminal count. Atlas systems. Propulsion. Go. Hydraulics. Go. Pneumatics. Go. LO2. Go. Water. Go. Centaur systems. Propulsion. Go. Pneumatics. Go. LO2. Go. LH2. Go. ASGAP. Go. Electrical systems. Airborne. Go. Ground. Go. Facility. Go. RFFTS. Go. Flight control. Go. Instrumentation. Go. Com. Go. ECQ. Go. Umbilicals. Go. ECS. Go. Redline monitor. Go. Quality. Go. OSM. Go. ULA safety officer. Go. Range, weather, and clear to proceed. Go. LC, this is the LD on channel one. LC, you have permission to launch. Roger. Proceeding with count. You just heard the NASA flight director run through a launch team poll. The flight director asks each system for a go, no go. All systems must be a go for the launch to continue. This practice is critical because launching with the incorrect conditions may be catastrophic. The same practice applies to deployment pipelines. Deployment pipelines are a series of steps. Each step has three parts. Step one, verify preconditions. Step two, do the work. This may be initiating a rolling deploy, launching a canary, or running a migration. Step three, verify the changes from step two. This process mirrors the structure in automated tests. Establish preconditions, run code, then assert on results. This approach provides three key benefits. First, fail fast. It's preferable to abort the pipeline early instead of identifying a failure at the end. Second, correctness is baked into the pipeline. There's no need to manually muck around after executing the pipeline to check if it worked okay. If the pipeline completes successfully, then you can say confidently that the system is working. That's the same feeling you get from a strong test suite. Third, there's a structure to confidently grow and refactor the pipeline. This is similar to the red-green refactor loop in TDD. So when a regression is identified, then it may be rooted out in step one or tested for in step three. Pre-flight checks are the first step in a pipeline. They are coarse-grained end-to-end tests that verify the pipeline may proceed. Let's consider a typical application. Typical applications use a database and some external services. Let's say the application uses PostgreSQL and integrates with Twitter. This implies at least two things. One, the application can connect and authenticate to the PostgreSQL server. Two, the application can connect and authenticate to Twitter. If these preconditions are not met, then we know for certain there will be a production outage. The deploy pipeline must prevent shipping code when these preconditions are not met. These requirements start a list of pre-flight checks. Let's assume that the connection and authentication information is provided via URL environment variables in accordance with the 12-factor app guidelines. The first pre-flight check establishes a database connection to the configured host and port, authenticates as the configured user, and then runs a simple query. 
Ideally, this is executed via application code. If that's not possible, then it may be done with the psql command. The second preflight check authenticates with Twitter and then executes an operation part of the application's normal operation. This may be fetching some tweets or loading a user's profile. Ideally, this is executed via application code using the same libraries such as an OAuth client and the configuration as in production. If that's not possible, then it may be done with a few curl commands. The point of these tests is not specific assertions. The goal is to check if something is wrong. If these tests fail, then something is critically wrong. However, what is wrong is up to developers to suss out. This is simply the nature of end-to-end -end tests. There are infinite reasons why they can fail, but only a single reason why they pass. Thus, the preflight checks should cast the widest net possible. The importance of preflight checks cannot be understated. Many developers have not been introduced to this concept, so it's difficult to grok exactly what they're doing. I've seen developers scratch their head and wonder, why do we even need these? I have two answers to that question. First, a real-life example from my work at a previous company. A team member was suspicious when I introduced a preflight check for DB access as I described earlier. They were skeptical to the value and did not see the point. Fast forward a few months into the future. The team member made a change to the database configuration code. The pull request was peer-reviewed and eventually deployed to production. The DB connection preflight check failed because of the code changes, thus preventing a production outage. Afterward, the team member exclaimed, I love preflight checks in the deploy Slack channel. Second, I offer the idea of psychological safety. Gene Kim introduced the five ideals in his recent book, The Unicorn Project. Psychological safety is the fourth ideal. Put simply, developers need the peace of mind that they may go about their work without fear of negative consequences. Preflight checks ensure that known requirements are met thus increasing developer confidence that their changes will work correctly. Ultimately, this improves flow and developer happiness. What developer doesn't want more confidence in their changes working correctly in production? I don't know any such developer, and I don't think you do either. It's certainly not you because you're listening to this podcast. So here's the sequence of pre-flight checks in my deployment pipelines. Allow me to put on my launch director hat for a minute. This is the launch director preparing for production deploy, initiating pre-flight check sequence. Config. Config is go. Static configuration files pass static analysis. Credentials. Credentials are go for deploy. Validity confirmed. DNS. DNS is go for deploy. External services are resolvable. Traffic. Traffic is go for deploy. External services accepting incoming connections. Services. Go for deploy. End-to-end -end tests OK. Dry run. Go for deploy. Dry run completed successful with target configuration. This is the LD on the deploy channel. Preflight checks are go for deploy. Pipeline is cleared for release in T minus five, five seconds. Four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes. All right. Let me step out of the control room and take the headset off. Now I can elaborate on each check. The order uses the fail fast approach. The first config check is a sanity check. Many services use static configuration files in JSON, YAML, or TOML. They're usually parsed when starting the application, so they should be parsed before using a tool like JQ. This also includes the validity of any certificates. The credentials check verifies credentials separate from external services. Examples include AWS keys, instance profiles, and one-off API keys or tokens. 
the check should call an identity type operation. So for example, if AWS access is required, then this can be verified by calling the AWS STS get caller identity command. The DNS check uses the dig command. This verifies resolution of all external services hostnames. Imagine looping over all the environment variables ending in underscore URL and then calling dig with the hostname. This is the first external services prerequisite. The next traffic check uses the netcat command. This verifies that configured hostnames accept traffic on the declared ports. Like the DNS check, imagine looping over the variables, parsing the hostname and port, and then using the netcat command. If these two checks are a go, then the services check follows. The services check runs the end-to-end -end tests I described earlier. Just to reiterate, the goal is to verify the service can connect and use the external service as required for normal operation. I also described the final dry run check in a previous episode on the config factor. Learn more at smallbatches.fm slash six. This check executes as many code paths in the application as possible and then stops just before accepting incoming traffic. This verifies the application can load the target configuration, meaning nothing is missing, unparsable, or unexpected. This checklist hits the 80-20 sweet spot. It eliminates many regressions and will certainly save you when you least expect it. That completes this batch. Visit smallbatches.fm to subscribe to the show for free. Would you like a topic covered on the show? Then call plus one 833 and leave your request in a voicemail. Hope to have you back again for the next episode. So until then, happy shipping. Want to learn more about DevOps without wasting your time? And sign up for my free email course at freedevopscourse.com. My course combines the best from the DevOps handbook, Accelerate, and years of software delivery experience. You'll learn the three ways of DevOps and the four KPIs of software delivery performance. More importantly, I'll show you how to put that theory into practice. That means shipping better software faster. Sign up today at freedevopscourse.com.